0: So, okay. okay, wait a minute. You want me to do both of them again?
1: Yeah, yeah. So do, um... Actually, we're going to do, uh... You're listening to Sick and Wrong. This is Bob Madigan. You're listening to Sick and Wrong with Dean and Lance. With who? With, uh... <laughs> Dee and Lance. So this, this is Bob Madigan. You're listening to Sick and Wrong. Just do that. Yeah.
2: Okay, you All ready?
1: I'm ready.
0: This is Bob Madigan...
1: A.K.A. Donkey Daddy, and you're listening to Sick and Wrong. Oh, dude, that was perfect. And then uh, one more say, yeah, this is Bob Madigan, and happy anniversary, Sick and Wrong. Okay. Happy anniversary, Sick and Wrong. This is Bob.
3: Peace out. This is Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary, brought to you by AdamandEve.com. Good evening.
1: Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm uh, one of your hosts and the only host this week, D. Simon. Um, As you might have heard last week, Wackerly went to Hawaii for quote unquote work. Yeah, right. Seriously, work. Who the fuck goes to Hawaii for work? You know, I, I I have this like image in my mind right now that he's just on the beach right now with like some kind of like uh, pineapple flavored drink, just drinking a penis colada with a Hawaiian tranny hooker. I uh, will call her Uklockdamac, but um, but yeah, he he's like, oh, I have to go there for work, so I can't do the podcast next week, man. You know, um, it's tough. And It was, just, I don't know. I've, I've never had a job that allowed me to travel. The only job I've ever had that 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 sent me somewhere was when I was working in Chicago, and they sent me to Milwaukee. It's just not the same. Milwaukee. Who cares about Milwaukee? Although I did get to go see the MGD Brewery, and that that was pretty cool. But yeah, not as cool. So anyway, Wackley's not going to be on the show this week, but he'll be back next week. And instead, we have a guest host in the studio, um, Brian M. Clark. What's up, Brian?
0: How's it going, D. Simon?
1: Um, Brian's the author and founder... Of uh, one of the founders, I think, of the site unpopart dot org, and uh, and uh, the author of uh, several different books. And so, uh, thanks, Brian, for uh, subbing the show here.
0: No problem. I will do my best to uh, try and live up to the high standards set by Lance Wackerly.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, um, the high standards of uh, of this show.
0: I don't yeah, think it'll be do that do, difficult. Uh, what's that? I
1: don't think it'll be that difficult.
0: Well, I'll see if I can do uh, his his laugh. He's like.
1: What does he always do? It's like that weird, high,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that weird obnoxious,
1: <laughs> that high pitched, uh, yeah, that high pitched cackle. I think it's yeah, called? When he's
0: drunk. Yeah. It's good. It's good stuff. Yeah.
1: So, um, you're, you're, you're not native, uh, native Angelina, right? You're a trans you know,
0: I've only been here about a year and a half now, so I'm pretty new to town. Um, so
1: where did you move here from?
0: I moved here from Denver, Colorado. Um, prior to that, I was, I was in the Bay area actually living in San Francisco.
1: Okay, so uh, you moved from San Francisco to L.A., much like I just recently did.
0: Well, I was in Denver for like five years, but yeah, if you want to think about it that way.
1: Nice. How, how do you think uh, Los Angeles compares to San Francisco? Oh, they're both horrible. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hate San Francisco. Um, what? You, you hate San Francisco? Okay, do you think L.A. is that much better?
0: uh no i don't actually i mean it's funny like the the area that you live in is not that different than the tenderloin
1: um you know i was gonna get to that in a second (laughs) but we might as well uh, get to that right now but yeah that's true it's like you know um i moved from san francisco's tenderloin one of the shittiest neighborhoods to basically just a larger tenderloin with a little less human feces well yeah downtown la
0: i sent you that link to that wikipedia thing on um the shanty towns they allow down there for some weird reason. I, I've heard different rumors as to why that is, but it's like uh, supposedly the city just allows a certain block to be just free for all homeless.
1: It's it and is house. bizarre. It is yeah. bizarre. I've never seen anything like it, and I guess maybe it's because I've never lived that close to Skid Row. Whereas the Tenderloin Tenderloin has like these residential hotels and shelters that a lot of these homeless people can go to, mainly probably because it's colder and it's wet in San Francisco. Whereas L.A. is just like, it's urban camping. They have fucking tents, and they're in these tents, and they're just like uh, on the sidewalks. It's creepy. It's like I couldn't imagine like being, I couldn't imagine walking down one of those streets at like 3 in the morning.
0: Oh, I wouldn't do it if I were you. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and, and I only right now live like a block away. Yeah, well, they-
0: I I think it's a situation where the police just kind of look the other way. As long as they stay in that area, they're fine. Um, it's just, it's very weird. I've never seen anything like it either.
1: It's but- bizarre, too. Uh, what, what makes it even more stranger is that the fact that there's a cop shop, a police station, right next to the Tent City down there. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. on Wall Street. Um, yeah,
0: does- I- I can't really speak authoritatively on it because I've avoided that area like the plague. Um, well, but I, every time, <laughs> go the, ahead.
1: Well, when I first moved here, I, I was like trying to get a feel for the neighborhood. I was under the um, misconception that you could actually walk to areas in L.A. You don't need to drive. but LA's Really? Just... <laughs> where, where
0: on earth did you hear
1: that? <laughs> I, I don't know. I figured I was downtown. I was like, oh, there's got to be stuff downtown. And so I'm walking around, wandering on And even during the day, that Skid Row area is really scary. It's like uh, yeah. when you start going, you know, past, I think, south of Main Street, then you start hitting, like, Angel- Los Angeles Street, and uh, there's Wall Street, and all, all those, um, it's right by, like, there's, like, a Mexican market, then an Armenian, like, fashion district. But in between all that is this just this skid row of just tents and crackheads and hookers and homeless people. It is frightening. It really is.
0: Yeah. Well, the weird thing about the weird thing about San Francisco and LA is San Francisco is only like seven miles across. So I always found it really strange that it's subdivided into these little areas where people just stay in their zone. Like the the Tenderloins right next to Knob Hill,
1: right? Is Tenderloins, uh, tech next to Knob Hill, right next to Union Square, right, right by the downtown.
0: Right, and all the the various people who inhabit those areas don't stray into the other
1: areas. Well, I think the the cops contain them to this one area. But the one the one thing I've noticed about uh, this guess um, a contrast between San Francisco's tenderloin and LA's tenderloin is there's a shitload of concentrated crazy in that little three by three block radius that is a tend- or you know area that is a tenderloin.
0: Yeah, well, you'll, you'll learn as you're here longer. that That's one of many uh, shithole areas of L.A. Um, <laughs> I, I work in Compton. Um, I live up in Los Feliz or Los Feliz, depending on, I don't know which is the right way to pronounce it. Um, What's the love
1: that live- you do in Compton?
0: I'm a technical writer at a, at a factory. So I write, I just, I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be writing technical documentation, but I really just sit there and listen to podcasts all day, which is how I discovered (laughs) sick and wrong. Um, so, uh, yeah, but I, I live in like this hipster area. That's kind of like a big
1: American apparel ad, but then I work in like Compton. So it's it's, a straight out of Compton, like NWA type of Compton.
0: Yeah, but it's funny. I mean, people have this perception of it as being this just, you know, horrible ghetto, which I guess it is, but it's not nearly as bad as I had initially assumed it would be like from the,
1: the, well, from like boys in the hood or. Yeah. Like it's, you see
0: the differences are pretty subtle. Like, well, not really, but if you, if you go to any other country, like South America, like this is, you know, the streets aren't even paved and it's just chaos. But, uh, Compton, you know, it's the little things like I'll be driving to work on a Monday and, uh, there'll be like a dead dog on the side of the road because like the,
1: c- because Compton is pretty some much ghetto guy shot it. No, yeah, Well, Compton's all basically,
0: it's, it's basically blacks and Mexicans and, um, the black people tend to have these gigantic monster dogs and the Mexicans tend to have these tiny little chihuahua dogs, but they're always running around all over the place. And so they'll just get hit by cars, but, what's odd is like it'll just lie there. So it'll be there on Monday on the side of the road. And then it'll be there on
1: Wednesday on the side of the road. Because and animal control doesn't want to venture into Compton to move it. It's
0: just nobody cares. So, I mean, <laughs> it's just, no one even calls it in. It's just a dead, another dead dog on the side of the road. So it's just little things like that. Or, or there's a place, there's like the, the factory that I work at, there's a, uh, a neighborhood right next to it of these quaint little old houses that were probably built in like the forties or something. Um, with white picket fences, but you know, the neighborhood isn't what it was back then. And there's this one house I gotta take a picture of it. There's this one house that has a white picket fence, like you know, about three or four feet high with fucking razor wire all over it. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you're just walking down the sidewalk and it's like razor wire at shoulder height.
1: You wonder, just... does that keep the riffraff out? And first, and second of all, what's in that house that uh, anyone yeah. would even desire, you know, to break into? Like, what, what do you want? Know.
0: I don't know. It's just a different mentality. But yeah, it's weird because I come home from work and it's like, you know, girls in flowy dresses and and, uh, berets and those uh, Palestinian neck things, whatever they're called. Oh, yeah.
1: And you know, this hipster, and then all of a sudden, uh, you're, and you're coming from like gold teeth and like uh, blue uh, do rags. Is that, is that what the is that what the bloods are wearing these days? I, well, to be
0: honest, I just don't see. There's not a lot of people wandering. I just I, I don't really spend a lot of time Nesslet. hanging out at Compton. But
3: it's, it's
1: it's funny that you mentioned Compton because uh, one of my first downtown experiences here in LA is I was you know when I'm walking around trying to get the feel for the area. I'm walking by this ride aid. It's probably one of the most ghetto ride aids I've ever seen. It's right on the corner of Broadway and Fifth, um, right up the street. And I'm walking out of there, sort of lost, trying to figure out, you know, get my bearings where I am. And this woman walks by. She's wearing like a yellow jogging suit. The whole back of the jogging suit was stained brown. And it looked <laughs> like she had just like had diarrhea, and it was running down her leg. And she was carrying a boombox playing straight out of Compton. Nice by NWA. And so I'm like standing there, just like. What the fuck? Fumbling with my phone to try to get video for this because that's YouTube material. And yeah. she walks like right by, like I'm kind of in her way, and she's like, Why don't you move, bitch? And I was just like, Nice. I, I did, this woman's like 80. I was just really? thinking, Yeah. And I was thinking, I'm like, God, you know, i I think the LA tenderloin is worse than the San Francisco tenderloin.
0: I don't know. I've avoided them both as much as possible. So I just I can't really say but you seem to have have just, you know, made the transition seamlessly from one shithole to the next.
1: Yeah, yeah, it it really hasn't been that difficult. And (laughs) the difference I think is though in San Francisco, you're paying exorbitant prices to live in that shithole of a neighborhood. I mean, Ooh. I was paying, like, almost $1,000 for my studio, whereas in L.A., you know, you can pay a decent amount of rent, and you can actually have a really nice place. And so, like, I live in a really nice loft down here, but yeah, we're, we're bordering a sketchy area, or in the middle of a sketchy area, so you just kind of have to sort of get used to that. Uh, one of the reasons um, I have you on the show is, uh, is, I guess I'd consider you a professional drinker. Um. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, uh, well, I write for Modern Drunkard Magazine from time to time and interview people for them, and, uh, I am pretty much drunk every day
1: at some point, so. <laughs> and you just sustained a, uh, drinking-related injury, am I correct?
0: Yeah, I, uh, I am on crutches at the moment, um, because I was loaded, like, two weeks ago at this bar called the Good Luck Bar, which is, uh, up in my neck of the woods. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know if you've been there, you'll have to check it out, but, uh. It's like themed like this old um Asian opium den. So there's like it's the Good Red Luck Bar? Good luck bar. It's I got seen like it yet. um Yeah, it's just like a theme bar. It's like this weird old Chinese brothel or whatever. But there's so there's all these low um cushion seats in the back and then there's these like low two foot tall coffee tables. And I was super drunk there one night and just like took a spill over one of the coffee tables and uh, fucked up my leg.
1: Wow! So did I, you break your leg? I mean, are you you in a cast right now?
0: <laughs> well, this is the fun, the funny thing is. So uh, I I woke up the next day. I had no memory of this, and I I didn't break it, but I did. I guess uh, because I, I was so drunk, I just I didn't even remember doing this. And then two days later, I had this pain in my leg, and I started like getting paranoid and. Thinking like, oh fuck, I have like bone cancer or
1: something. Why do I have?
0: Because I, I didn't remember sustaining any injury.
1: <laughs> See, now that is a is a hallmark of a professional drink. Yeah,
0: yeah, pretty much. So, and then I had, I was in the in the shower and I saw this big bruise on my and it just kept growing. I was like, oh shit. And <laughs> I, as as I was walking like around, like every day, I just became more walking more
1: or hobbling.
0: Well, it's so that's the thing that it took like a week before I started not being able to walk right and then I was like fuck okay I better go get this x-rayed so I went into one of the hospitals um around here and uh got an x-rayed and, and but when was fun I went into the intake and the uh the nurse was like this super flaming gay guy who was uh it's like what did you do and I was like well <laughs> I think I fractured my leg I don't know I'm not sure I just need to get an x-rayed and he's like you mean you're broke or like because you know a fracture is a break it's the same thing i don't know why people think it's different you know i was just like well you know in the.
1: <laughs> i think breaking just sounds worse fracture just well, kind of seems like okay i cracked it a little bit breaking yeah i was like, like it's
0: broken not broken, broken. it's like a fucking hairline thing or whatever i don't know like relax but uh yeah so i'm on crutch i don't have i don't have a
1: cast i just have um how long are you going to be on uh crutches for I don't know, like two or three weeks, or however long it takes. Totally sucks, but at, th- at least it doesn't like necessarily impair your drinking abilities. Like you could still, you know, go out, maybe crutch to a bar and just kind of sit in one place. You're just not as mobile.
0: Yeah, no, I went to a ridiculous uh, neo folk show the other day and got drunk. But the the perk though is they gave me a bunch of Vicodin, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's how you know, get drunk faster. But, you know, I'm I'm no stranger to a drunken related injury. I, I know uh, people who've listened to the show probably can remember when I uh, so say my last one. I think, like, I had my whole eye was, like, blackened, and I had this big gash, like, on the corner of my eye. And I remember Wackerley's like, what the fuck happened to you? And it was just like, I was at a party and was completely wasted, went outside to take a piss and slipped in a puddle of urine, <laughs> my own and other men's urine. And then I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going home. You know, and so once you commit like a faux pas like that, I'm like, I'm done. So I went home and then I was trying to take, you know, how, like drunkenly trying to take your contact out. And I dropped on the ground, trying to pick it up, stand back up and smack the cabinet door of my um, like medicine cabinet, but my sink, just gashed my face open, put uh, like, like tried to put like a band aid on it, went to bed. And I, when I woke up the next morning, I'm just covered in blood. I'm like, what the fuck happened? The yeah. whole eye was black. Oh, dude, it was terrible. And then yeah, you got to go to work. And then everyone's asking, like, so what happened? Did you yeah. get an accident? Yeah, I've been like, having
0: that conversation all week. It's yeah, like don't a, you love that? Yeah. Cool. No, you had one of the first Sick and Wrong episodes I ever listened to was you. You were relating some crazy drunken story about, like, falling asleep on the toilet masturbating or something. Or oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really, really
1: amazing. <laughs> that, that's another like high point of uh, the life of D. Simon. Yeah, I'm. Really proud. I'm really proud of that. <laughs> Wish <laughs> my mom listened to this show. She'd be, uh, she'd be so proud to have a son like me. But, I thought uh, it was
0: great. I thought it was hilarious.
1: Uh, believe me, I'm not the only one out here that's listening to this show that hasn't, has had that happen to them before. Um, before we get into that, uh, just a quick question about uh, some of your background um, Unpop, uh, unpopart.org. Is that site still around? What's going on with that?
0: Um, no, it's been offline for like a year. I was like, we had to uh, – we kind of Sean Partridge and i um and Boyd Rice all came up with that together back in two thousand and three and launched it in two thousand and four but it's been down and Sean and I have been kind of like um dragging our heels on getting it back online because we had a we had this this graphic designer come up <clears throat> come up with a bunch of new logos and things and we had a web person do new web design stuff so. so
1: explain the site though is it like a forum just for artists or you know what did what, what, you guys sell artwork on it and essays what was it exactly
0: uh originally it was just kind of a the concept was we were to me it was just like this big fun prank really but it was to start an art movement archiving all this stuff that was kind of going on in the 90s that was um things like boyd and jim goad and uh adam parfrey were doing and some of the stuff sean was doing and then just kind of getting more of that from all over the web and putting it all in one place and calling it an art movement and it it worked for a while we did it for a few years it was really fun um and then it just did sort of of,
1: implode or did it become like too like too difficult because a lot of times with the website especially collaborations like that you one person's doing all the work it's kind of like a band one person's doing all the work and they're just like you know what you guys are fucking slackers i'm sick of doing all this shit myself i'm done
0: that's pretty accurate actually um i was i was running the site i I had an online store that i ran with it too and i just kind of got as time went on I, i sort of didn't do anything with it like i probably should have organized an art show or published a book on it or something but i was doing i was working on another book and running a record label and working from home and just doing all this other shit. And then eventually, there were a few people that uh, were involved but weren't involved. They were just kind of passively. Just contributors. They were like lending their names to it and we were using their stuff, but they didn't really give a shit and they weren't really actively doing anything. And then um, about a year and a half ago, it, it was very much like one of those band things where people who kind of maybe weren't best pals at the beginning eventually decided they didn't like each other
1: anymore and, it's a, so now it's making a comeback. You guys are kind of redesign the site, and uh, it's going to be back up?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it's been down. I, I we It's it's ready to relaunch. I've just been too busy with other bullshit in my day-to-day life here in L.A., just trying to – struggling,
2: God, too,
0: tooth and nail to, like, get by in this retarded town. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I might relaunch it after this um, show goes online because it's as good a reason as any well
1: i'm sure a lot of our fans uh i know a lot of fans uh love boyd rice you wrote a book uh or edited a book right standing in two circles collected works of boyd rice and yeah um, yeah a couple of the other other books that you have are they available via the well they probably will be available with the unpop site but you also have your own site right
0: yeah they're all on amazon i just do um i don't really have a store on my site but yeah, I have links to the... So go Amazon. check it
1: out. Fuck All You Motherfuckers by uh, Brian Clark. What Will Really Happen in 2012. And I'm not going to ruin anything here because you should read the book and you can find out what will really happen in 2012. And then also uh, Standing in Two Circles, A collected Works at Boyd Rice, which actually you sent me a copy of those. So uh, appreciate that. Um, uh, yeah, no problem. So hopefully uh, Unpop's going to be back up soon. And uh, yeah, people can definitely go check it out. So... Uh, Brian, you know uh, you you as I mentioned before, um, you know being a professional drinker, I'm sure you are familiar with a lot of LA's dive bars. And when I first moved here, you recommended two books for me to check out. Um, one called Los Angeles's Best Dive Bars: Drinking and Diving in the City of Angels, and another one called uh, Bizarre. <coughs> and uh, another one called Bizarro, which was just about LA's uh, bizarre attractions.
0: So yeah, I, it's actually, it's called L.A. Bizarro, but yeah, they're, LA both, Bizarro. they're both good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I actually uh, picked up uh, both books and have been kind of making my way right now through the Los Angeles Best Dive Bars. One thing I noticed about downtown, there are a few fine drinking establishments down here. But um, but this city, and I kind of want to get into this in a bit, but this city is just just full of just like, there's so many bars. I mean, it's such a large, spread out um, Urban setting that there's just so many bars all over, and people I think have a misconception of what la the LA bar scene is all about. I think people think it's all about like Paris Hilton and glitz and glamour and guestless and all that, but no, actually, it's uh, I'd say the a major portion is about like Bukowski type of bars, like the Frolic Room, which is on the cover here of this bar of this book. And uh, there's a lot of bars, a lot of dive bars out here, a lot of bars I haven't checked out yet. And so I was reading, I was reading through the book and I realized, you know what? We should have the writer, the editor of this book um, on the show just to uh, chat about it. So because she seems to be the definitive source of the Los Angeles dive bar scene. Her name's Lena LaCaro. She's the nightlife columnist for the L.A. Weekly. And uh, yeah, wrote this book, Los Angeles Best Dive Bars. So I contacted her. She wants to be on the show. So let's uh, let's let's give her a ring. Find out about the L.A. dive bar scene. Before we give Lena a call, though, a quick word from our sponsor, audible.com. We've kind of been uh, sort of not really ignoring Audible, but um, not promoting them as heavily as we should because it was Valentine's Day, so we were using Adam and Eve. Um, but audible.com is the internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, information educational programming. People Audible offers over 80,000 hours of audio programs. You can listen whenever, wherever you want, just like the podcast you're listening to right now on your iPod player. Um, Audible has over 1,000 science tech titles and 1,100 science fiction fantasy titles. Get a free audiobook download when you sign up for a free trial today. So go to audiblepodcast.com slash diddle, and stick and Wrong's code here, and get your free audiobook. <laughs> Hello. Hey, this is uh Dave D Simon here from uh, Sick and Wrong. Thanks for uh being on the show.
3: Oh, yeah, I'm glad to.
1: Hey, uh, We also have our guest host, uh Brian Clark here. And um yeah, you know, uh, thanks for being on the show and uh, uh we 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 know you're the definitive source of uh LA dive bars, so you're the perfect person for us to uh to to discuss this uh, fascinating topic with. <laughs> oh,
3: great. Hi, I'm great. How are you doing?
1: Um, good. Um yeah, I uh
0: I picked up your book when I first moved here. It's been kind of a bible of mine a little bit.
3: Yay, yeah. that's
1: awesome. Well that, that it was it was interesting because when I first moved here, I've only been here for a few weeks now. Uh Brian's Brian's the first book he recommended was like, You gotta pick up Los Angeles' best dive bars. And I've you know, I was flipping through it and I've I've been to like a couple of the places, but I mean yeah. this is like a vast compendium of uh of of LA's dive bars here.
3: Yeah, um, it took me a year to research it, quote unquote. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I, I've uh, there's a hundred bars in there, and um, I had a year to do it and a drinking allowance.
1: Wow! So wait, wait, wait. did did um, so you're the the nightlife columnist for the LA Weekly? Did they commission you to write this book?
3: No, what it is is uh, the L.A. Weekly is owned by Village Voice Media, who owns a lot of the, they own Village Voice in New York, and a few other, you know, le- weeklies for, uh, around the country. And um, so they have a deal with this publisher um, to release this series of books uh, around the country. So they're, this is actually, I believe, the sixth in the series. Um, the first was New York. And, I've seen the um, San Francisco one. Yeah, there's a San Francisco one, there is a Chicago one. The the one right before mine was in Seattle. And uh I believe they're updating the New York one. I think that comes out this year. Um so yeah, so that's that's the deal. So uh basically they reached out to The Weekly, who I do work for, and they said, "Oh yeah, you got to get Lena to do it cuz uh, I've been covering nightlife for about 20 years like as I say in the book before I was even uh, legal.
1: Wow, were were you like, hell yeah, that's a great assignment. I'm down.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You know what I was? But, you know, I already go out every week for my column, which is called Night Ranger, and it's uh, nightlife coverage. And so I'm covering bars, clubs, uh, live music, uh, art openings, anything, you know, after dark nightlife. And so, yeah, for me, I mean, even though, like I said, I had a year to write it, I had already gone to probably over half
1: Oh, so you, well I mean, over half. and being a native uh, of Los Angeles, you probably were already familiar with a lot of these bars.
3: Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I was either, I, I had either regularly attended half, I had probably already at least popped into, what, 80%, and then the other 20 was new ones, you know, I put out the word to friends and things like that, mm. um, and most of those were, were in the outskirts of L.A., um, Whittier and Long Beach, well, actually Long Beach, I just did a list, but... Uh, you know, like not. I live in Silver Lake, and I actually not grew LA up. Not L.A. proper. Lake. Yeah, well, I didn't do. I actually didn't even uh, include Orange County, so that's a whole other world there. Um, as as I say in the book, I adhered to the twenty-minute rule. If it took twenty more than twenty minutes out of, you know, the, what people the drive, think of when yeah. they think of L.A., Hollywood and downtown L.A., those get a lot of focus. But um, if it took, yeah, well, that's the thing too. Traffic, forget it. You know, it's. Even without traffic, uh, if it was more than... I I did some outskirts. uh, Definitely some of the spots I mentioned in the valley, the San Fernando Valley, will take you, uh, you know, with traffic much longer than 20 minutes. But, um, yeah, I just kind of... I had to make some decisions, definitely. There were more to be included, for sure, in the outskirts. But ultimately, I picked the ones that I thought um, would be most interesting, interesting. And also, I try to mix it up, too. There's some that are really... You know, downright dangerous to go to, and then some that are just—you know—tourists go there, and uh, they're not too bad. So yeah, I wanted I, to mix it up, you know.
1: I want—I want to get into that, people. but uh, but but first, actually, just a, a general question here: Do you think L.A. is a big drinking city? I mean, compared to some of the other cities in California, but also uh, nationwide, do you think L.A. is like a big drinking city?
3: Well, I do, sure. Um, you know, it's interesting. Obviously, there's the 2 a.m., the 2 p.m., I'm sorry, 2 a.m. curfew. Uh, and so we're not, and that's the thing people say, you know, in L.A., we're not used to, there's not a lot of after hours scene. There is some, but it's not like Vegas. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. say it's as big of a drinking, you know, obviously Vegas is up there. Um, but yeah, I, I think we are. I think we are. I think the bar culture here in Los Angeles is a huge part of, of our nightlife. Well, and, I think um, people tend to you know, have
1: a misconception, though, of L.A.'s nightlife. I think everybody has this, I think, from, like, TV and, uh, yeah. you know, Gawker, TMZ, stuff like that. They they think it's all about, like, guest and glitz and glamour, Paris Hilton right. type of thing. But it's not, exactly. though, for the most part. I, I would say, like, the majority of bars out here are more like Bukowski-type bars.
3: Yeah. Um, I actually mentioned that in the intro to my book that, you know... I mean, let's, I do cover that part of LA nightlife as well, and it is a huge part, and especially now, if you go to Hollywood Boulevard, uh, other than, you know, the bar that's on the cover of my book, The Follic Room, uh, and that's why I actually picked that one, because, uh, it's, it's an old bar, and it's something that, that the neon is amazing, and, uh, it's something you notice driving down Hollywood Boulevard, but it's I would totally say that that is out. Tr- yeah, it stands out as much as the Pantages, so, um, but it's, you know, it, and maybe a couple other bars in that area, are the exception. And the rule is what you just said, the velvet ropes and the guest list and the swank pits, you know, um, drays at the W and every day it seems like a new, uh, velvet rope bottle service, you know, fancy schmancy. Paparazzi standing outside. Yeah, exactly. So if you're going to go on a Friday or Saturday night, drive into Hollywood, that's what you're going to see. And maybe just because it is more audacious, that is what, well, obviously it's the glamor, you know, people that don't live in LA, They don't care about, you know, some drunk, some old toothless drunk at some dive bar. It's more exciting to see, you know, the celebrity aspect of it. So I believe that is a big part of L.A. nightlife as well. But I think that this other world uh, is a big part of it, too. And it just doesn't get as much attention. Well,
0: it's also the the preferable part. I mean, I, I would much rather drink at a dive bar and spend far less money and have a nice time than deal with any of the Hollywood Nonsense. You can
3: be just as entertaining. I mean, the characters there are just, uh, yeah, exactly, more fun. And, you know, some of the upscale bars, uh, I actually I, I try to mention drink prices a lot in the book, and the upscale bars, you can get a, a vodka cranberry, well, can easily go for $15. Yeah,
0: it's insane. The cheapest,
3: yeah, the cheapest uh, vodka cranberry in my book is $3. But on average, these the dive bars in general probably charge you about five.
1: So, so tell me, so, Lena. Tell me, Lena. Yeah. what In your in your opinion, and I think uh, you, you kind of touched on this in the intro of your book as well. It's a contentious topic because I think everybody has their own opinion on this matter. What defines or constitutes a dive bar?
3: Yeah, that's the the, the toughest question of all, and I yeah. felt actually almost nervous about tackling it because it's very I do. Yeah, it really is, and everyone seems, like all you gotta do, like I said in the book, is if you even go on Yelp, which is a popular site where people put their ratings, people can have, people you see people having arguments about it, and I, I kept that in mind, and I talked to people about it, but bottom line, I just had my own criteria, which I do have in the book. There's a list there that I had, um, but in general, in general, um, some important elements to me that, you know, would make it a dive bar um, in general, most of the spots have some history, so they're not some place that just there aren't very new dive bars.
1: So, are you, you know, saying in general, the, the, older bar, bars. the bars that had to have existed for like at least over ten years, over fifteen years?
3: Um, I didn't, I didn't put a specific uh, number of years, but yeah, I guess actually now that I think about it, most of them have. And there's a few that I included that have been, you know, that are really old, but new owners took them over, and so that's a whole phenomenon too of people buying yeah. these bars and, and, just totally redoing them and taking the soul away or gently redoing and still keeping some of the soul in my opinion. So um, I, I included some of those as well, but yeah, most of them are old and there's a sense of history there. Um, you've got a mixture, you know, some, some people say it's hip people go to the bar. It's not a dive bar. Well, as I say <laughs> in the book in LA, you just you can't do that because really, first of all, what is hip? What's a hipster? You know, that's the whole definition too, but, if it's somebody that wants to, you know, cares about style and appearances and usually they want to, the hipster wants to be anti whatever that is because they want to be, uh, you know, individualistic, which it's very, you know, it's it's sort of ironic because by being individualistic, they're, they're all kind of being the same. But yeah. as I say in the book, <laughs> See, um, the really a, Yeah, yeah, we can go on and on about that, right? Self-hating hipsters. But um, for the most part, uh that wasn't a concern for me as much as the mixture of people that are in the room. So, yeah, you might have these people with tattoos and skinny jeans and shaggy haircuts, but there's still an old man at the bar, you know, sipping his bourbon as well, you sure. know, and having that. And also multicultural as well. I like to see a multicultural mix um, which you don't always get, but in some of the some of them, you that's definitely still a part of it, which is interesting to me.
1: And also, uh, I mean, you got to incorporate drink prices. I mean, it's like it can't be a dive bar if it's charging nine dollars for a Jack and Coke. Yeah.
3: Well, you know what? I, I agree with that, and I but I have a few in there that I made the exception, and I, funny enough, I expected for people to really call me on that more, but they didn't. So I think when I did mention a few that maybe the drink price was a little more, there were other things that made up for it. And I really try to justify my reason for it, but in general, yeah, most of the dr- most of the drinks are well under ten dollars. There's what a few exceptions ab- in my book, though. What What
1: about neighborhood? Like, how uh, did neighborhood factor into your decision?
3: Um, for me, you know, I wanted to kind of represent all parts of town too, mm-hmm. and obviously um, downtown L.A., uh, the Valley. Um, Hollywood is a good amount. Um, and then where I live, which is Silver Lake, uh, and Echo Park in Los Angeles, there, there's quite a few. Uh, there's none in Beverly Hills. So, so, you know, obviously that makes a difference. But, um, yeah. so neighborhood for me, I just tried to put a cross section. The other thing about neighborhood is, and I mentioned, you know, in the intro is that, um, yeah, some of the neighborhoods are downright scary, you know, sketchy. Totally. Um, and then, you know, and some of the neighborhoods aren't so much. So, and then some of them are changing. Um, the area of Echo Park, used to be kind of sketchy, and now it's definitely become gentrified and artsy and hip, so um, and, you know, that's that's part of it, too, is that usually you get that mixture because of, you know, the low rents and that kind of thing. Yeah, so, yeah, we're... for me, you know, yeah, I was just saying, for me, it wasn't a determination that they had to all be in a, bar, a bad part of town, but I just tried to kind of include some from, from all parts of town and then kind of let the reader know the ones that made... Well, that's the one thing I want to actually tell you, is that uh there are ratings. That was a really important aspect yeah, of the I date. wanted to
1: get into that. So you rate each okay. bar based on one to five bottles of beer. what, what what's the difference yeah. here with the what between like a two beer okay. bottle bar versus a five beer bottle bar?
3: Okay, well first of all if I only had one, that was what those are the ones I thought uh, you know, they're they're just fairly divey, but I included them for whatever reason. So those are the ones that that I would think most people would debate me about.
0: Including. So like f- To me, the quintessential dive bar in the area that I live in is the drawing room. Um, That's in Los Feliz. Yeah, so the drawing room. uh, Yeah,
3: that's in Los Feliz, yeah.
0: But then you also also have the Dresden, which really, to me, I don't see how that really qualifies necessarily as a dive. There you go. There
3: you go. Okay, so uh, other than that, and I think the Dresden got, what did that one get? Two? Uh, I go, well, that's sort of how I covered my ass, I guess, is that... um, the ones that that only have one or two, I include them for whatever reason. I mean, the Dresden is an amazing old bar. Yeah, it is kind of nice, but it's still so old-fashioned and Martini Lane, and there was there's a history there that, to it. There's a history to it, and I feel a lot of people would call that a dive. And then again, we get back to the definition of dive. Right. Some people, right. it's, it's a lot of old people there, and it's an old bar and you know, uh, they would consider that a dive. But yeah, there's a lot of people. I agree with you. There's, I could see the argument the other way on the Dresden. What's the um? um you know, I,
0: what's the one? I'm sorry to interrupt you. What's the one huh? that you write about? I haven't checked it out yet, but I've been meaning to. Okay. That you say something like, and I don't have the book in front of me. I loaned it to somebody, but okay. um, it's like owned by some crazy Korean lady who comes out and like hassles the customers.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's smog, <laughs> smog cutter.
1: Oh, uh, what, what neighborhood is that in?
3: See that's 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 the other thing too. that's difficult with qualify explaining neighborhoods because there's these overlapping areas. Okay. So that's sort of like the edge of of Silver Lake going into Hollywood, sort of East Hollywood, I guess you would call it. Um, it's sort of so yeah between kind of Silver Lake and 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 East Hollywood, I guess you would call it. Um, it's on Virgil, off of Santa Monica Boulevard, um, but not not Santa Monica know, West Hollywood. So um yeah that one's great that one has a, a an amazing history and um yeah you walk in there and basically they say you have a a, a 2 drink minimum and if you're <laughs> sitting there not drinking let's say you go a lot of people do birthday parties there because it's a good one to take over <laughs> they have karaoke if you go there let's say for a birthday party you don't drink they they i've known people to be asked to leave wow so
1: she's she's she monitors how many drinks you're having
3: yeah, they mo- they monitor, and um, if not the owner, then the 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 bartender, uh, bar- female bartenders that are there. Uh, yeah, they'll do that. It's funny. It's funny to watch. Um, sometimes they like you, maybe not so much, but it's definitely the experience of most that um, they'll note how many you know that you've had your two drink minimum. So, so Lena, and, you- uh, oh, the other funny thing that, real quickly on oh. that one spot is that the prices sometimes change. <laughs>
2: So yeah, week sometimes week they'll
3: say it's you know five five to six dollars for the same drink in the same visit.
1: Nice. <laughs> okay.
3: Yeah. That's great. So, so Lena, yeah.
1: you said you reviewed over hundred bars here, and um, yeah, in your opinion, what what neighborhoods do you think has have the best dives? Like, because I'm new here, I've only been here a couple of weeks. Yeah. Where do you think, okay. if, if I want to go out and find like the best, the highest concentration of dive bars in a single neighborhood, where do you think I should check out?
3: Okay, well, see, part of that is, and I do have a list here, and I'll tell you the list, but, you know, this is, it really kind of depends on what you're looking for, too. If you really are the type that wants to see crazy characters and, you know, just really have dirt, cheap drinks, that's one thing. If you want more history, then that's another, you know, so it really kind of depends. But uh, my list here, I'll just kind of tell you my list really quickly, which is a mixture of some in Hollywood, um, Silver Lake, Actually, I, mixed, I actually tried to, in my list, represent all parts of town. So right. um, Frolic Room, which is, you know, historic old spot, uh, has that amazing sign in Hollywood. I feel like that's a must-go-to. <laughs> I, I
1: love the Frolic. I've checked that out. The main reason I went to the Frolic, there used to be a Frolic Room 1, right? Frolic Room 1 and Frolic Room 2?
3: Yeah, well, what happened was Frolic Room 1 is the original, which is still there. And then they opened the second one, which I mentioned, too, um, in the, like, I believe it was late 80s, early 90s. Um, they closed that off. That's oh, okay. That closed. Um, but yeah, so the original follow-up, just for history, if you're in the Valley, Fox Fire Room is just a quintessential valley dive. Really interesting mix of people. Um, it gets loud and rowdy, but not scary, and it's just a fun, lively atmosphere. Cheap drinks. Um, if you're in Culver City, Backstage Bar Backstage. is super fun. Yeah, it's called the Backstage. That one, again, I could see people saying, no, oh, that's not quite divey." that divey. But um, it just has a great atmosphere. The drinks are great. Um, they do karaoke on certain nights, which is always entertaining. In Hollywood, also, on Cahuenga, which is now, you know, one of the hottest streets pretty much for yeah, it's clubs. It's like a hip street, bars. though. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a bar called the Burgundy Room, which is a real, like, kind of punk rock, rock and roll bar. It's been there forever. One of my favorites to go there all the time when I'm in Hollywood.
1: I, I dig uh, Burgundy. Burgundy actually, the same owners used to own uh, the Ruby Room, which is in Oakland. And oh,
3: I've, cool! That I've
1: might be there. Yeah. Good. Oh, sorry. that's
3: awesome. Well, that might be the original owner. Um, I don't know if it's the guy that owns it now. Oh, okay. And then through, through a few different, um, and it's really dark, which I love. The Chris, uh, lit only by Christmas lights, you know, so we love that. Um, Kibbutz room is a lot of fun. That's uh, the bar that's adjacent next to Cantor's Deli on right. Fairfax.
1: I love Cantor's. Of course you
3: do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, counters is awesome. It's open 24 hours, and it's really fun late at night. But I would definitely recommend um uh, as an atmospheric Kibitz. the Kibitz Room. It's right okay. next door. Um, let's see what else I got. It's a good
1: Yiddish name for a bar. Yeah,
3: Did you ever make yeah, it down
0: to, uh, to Ferns in Long Beach?
3: No, I didn't include anything in Long Beach uh, um, just because that was sort of my cutoff, and I know there's some great ones there. Um, so, but I do have a list if you want to explore Long Beach and South Bay, and then I included a list. Um, so yeah, another one that's amazing is called Frank and Hank's, um, uh, and that's sort of in Koreatown area, great old bar owned by a older woman that kind of works there every night and it's near the Wiltern Theater, so a great place to get drinks after, cheap drinks after, um, catching a concert.
1: What's Uh, the the one down Uh, there, what's the one down there that's kind of got a nautical theme? I think it's called like the... Something bounty.
0: Oh HMS. HMS bounty, yeah.
3: Oh HMS Bounty is yeah, in the book. That one's great. I like going to that one during the day because then it's just all elderly people. <laughs> it's a lot of fun too. Well you you can and you can strike up a conversation and really interesting stories and history. At night it definitely gets more hip, but the kind of hip person that is into kind of more retro culture.
2: Okay. You know, right. which,
3: is, which is fun and interesting as well. But um, yeah, love HMS Bounty. That's in the book. Yeah, and, I dig uh, that. Another one, of those, yeah, it's one, another one of those historical spots that's uh, a must-go-to. Um, Let's see. There's a fun one in Santa Monica called Shea J, which is also a little restaurant. And that has uh, Frank Sinatra used to hang out there. And um, it's great. And the, yeah, it's a really, really fun. And the food's actually really good there, too. So that's fun. And then I have Rustic Inn, which is right across from Drawing Room. So you may know of that one.
0: Oh, I've been there. Yes, <laughs>
3: <I'm sure. laughs> that's fun. Great hot wings. You know, a lot of these have food, and the food is good too. So that's always fun. It's not just um, pickled
1: eggs, and uh, and uh, it's just. It, but they actually have real food. They have a kitchen.
3: Real food. They have a kitchen. Yeah, I would huh. say a, a good fourth of twenty-five percent of the book. The bars have food, and, and a lot of times it's actually pretty good. Oh. Uh, another so, thing I mentioned in the book that's interesting is um, free food. There's, there's a lot of bars that literally give you free food. So, Lena, what is,
1: yeah. in your opinion, what's the scariest bar here in L.A.? Because I live a block away from this <laughs> bar that I found just uh, totally independent of your book. I didn't even know. I just was like, wow, this place looks great. It's called King Eddie's. And oh, I, went, yeah. I went in there just on my own volition. And I was like, wow, this place, I could probably get killed here. And, uh, yeah. Or maybe get hepatitis C from drinking out of their glass. So I'm just going to order a bottle of beer and just keep to myself. So is that a scary bar, in your opinion?
3: Yeah, that would definitely be in my top three, for sure. Uh, One, because it's right next to Skid Row. But that's what's interesting about, like, see, downtown is a perfect example of an area where, you know, two blocks, you know, east, it's just, you know, really frightening. And then two blocks up, it's it's nice boutiques. And, you know, downtown is in the midst of this gentrification right now. Yeah, you can feel the um,
1: gentrification down here.
3: Yeah, you can feel it from looking one direction to the other, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so but definitely King Eddie's is one of the ones. Uh when I went there I went there with my husband and um even though I was sitting there with a man, I had men coming up to me and, and saying things to me. You know? <laughs> yeah. So you know, that's that's the funny thing. And lots of lots of uh missing teeth there and um you know, I mean, I I don't know if you, when you've gone in there, too, the other thing about it is it always smells like cleaning solvents in there.
1: It like totally does. Cleaning. Yeah, like disinfectant. Yeah.
3: Disinfectant, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, that, that would definitely be in the top three. Um, Although i got to say, their the,
1: drink was like $3 for like a Jack and Coke. Yeah,
3: exactly. That's one of the, when I was talking, referring to the $3 drink, uh, that's one of the cheapest in the book as well as one of the most dangerous. So those tend to go <laughs> hand in hand. <laughs> give it <and> to <laughs> Yeah, and um, let's see, maybe Pogo's in the Valley. It's really out there in the Valley. That one, a fight almost broke uh, broke out when I was there. But then, like, the guy hugged it out five minutes later, you know. But wow. I felt a little – and that's the funny thing, too. It's like people that are regulars, these things might happen, but they're just – nobody even looks up, you know. It's just they're just sort of used to this sort of volatile atmosphere that can change at any moment. This
1: goes on all so, the time um, here. Par for the yeah. course.
3: So Pogo's in the Valley. Let's see if I can find one more for you that I would say. Um, scariest. Well, I mean, we mentioned Smog Cutter. That's not really scary. It's, lots of hip people go there. But, you know, those, those, Thai, those, those angry Thai women can be scary.
1: Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I've seen them in action. They're, they're, they're frightening. Um, what, what about Jumbo's Clown Room? That, that place used to be really divy. Is that, is that one in your book?
3: It's in the book. Um, it's actually for me almost a home away from home. One of my best friends is actually a bartender there.
1: I love that bar. So
3: yeah, I love it and, um, have loved it and it definitely is in the book for sure just because of its history and it's just, I couldn't not put it in the book, but I it really isn't that sketchy at all anymore. And in fact, um, it's also kind of known for having less than lovely dancers, but for the past almost decade now, the dancers are actually quite gorgeous exactly. and very, uh, burlesque style you know rock and roll suicide girls kind of thing well i remember when uh, i
1: first went there it was a few years ago i guess actually the first time i ever went there was 12 years ago and there was a okay. girl there that was dancing that only had one arm and i remember being like this place is amazing <laughs> oh, you're joking, you're no. joking. <laughs> she had one arm i swear that's awesome but uh, did they say I Courtney don't remember loved? a
3: one arm. okay I'll have, to, I'll have to verify that one
1: <laughs> Maybe she was a patron that just uh, took her clothes off and jumped on stage. But I just remember being like, wow, this is like probably because it's the first time I'd ever been in L.A. And my friend took me there and I was like kind of sketched out because I was thinking, God, this place is kind of shady. And then after seeing yeah. that, I'm like, this is probably the coolest place I've ever been to. But you could confirm this with me. Was it owned by an actual yeah. clown? No, 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 no. Oh,
3: okay. um, the owner is there. But there is an actual jumbo. Oh, there he is, uh, but there's no clown. <laughs> yeah, Jumbo Jim. His name is Jim, and uh, him and his family have owned it uh, for decades. And actually, before it was, you know, Jumbo's Clown Room, it was a country western bar during the '70s. It was a disco, like you know, <laughs> they, had, they had a dance floor in there. Uh, I did a, a recently just a big story about it. So um, they just had their 40th anniversary, actually.
2: Oh wow! And uh, but yeah,
3: so but yeah, if you go in there now, you'll notice quite a difference. Um, there it's. Definitely, we've done a little bit of it, and uh, the crowd now—it's just you know a lot of young hip people from all over town go, and the dancers are actually really talented and, you know, and really got, like, attractive,
1: real, yeah,
3: like and very attractive, yeah, in the more rock and roll style, like suicide but, um, girl, yeah, girl type of thing. it's still going strong. Jumbos is still going strong, and. Still, loads of fun, and it, I would definitely be on a top ten list as well of uh, recommended bars for sure. Oh,
1: that's kind of cool, and that's one that you don't really uh, uh, review too many strip clubs in the book.
3: No, I the only there's only two actually, uh, Jumbos, which you know again they don't even show. You know they, yeah, don't, even pasties. Do pasties oh, the they don't even do pasties anymore. Oh, they do
1: bikinis. Oh, okay. I thought they no. yeah they they're used not to. Do allowed,
3: no, they're not even allowed to do pasties anymore. It's bikini now, and they don't even do um g-string it's just bikini so it's like a girl dancing in a bikini pretty much um the other bar that i do that i include in there is called gold diggers and that's in hollywood and that is more like probably what you would remember jumbo's being many years ago where it's a trashier vibe um the dancers are pretty much all asian Hmm. and you know a lot of them aren't so necessarily so well groomed you know but uh but the atmosphere is a lot of fun and um drinks are, are, are really cheap. Uh, anyway, is, the, is that
1: the type of place they do G-String pasties kind of thing?
3: No, no. They also are a bikini bar. There was some, I don't want to uh, say the wrong thing, but there was some ordinance that was passed um, in Hollywood where if you're having liquor, you can't actually even do the pasty G-String thing anymore. Wow.
2: So it,
3: had to, it had to do with the Hollywood area and uh, the coverage. And it was something that was passed, I think, about eight years ago. So, if you're going to have liquor um, in these parts in these certain regions of l a you can't uh, show much skin at all, and that was passed mm-hmm. so uh, the real strip clubs I'm not sure about like body shop up over there that might be because it's on the west side, but um i definitely know with cheetahs, which is in Silver lake I didn't include jumbos and um, gold diggers they really it's just they're just bikini bars now
1: just bikini bars, wow. All right, so the book is called Los Angeles Best Dive Bars, Drinking and Diving in the City of Angels. You can get it on Amazon.com. Do you have a website that uh, people can go to?
3: Um, no, I don't. But, yeah, it's available on Amazon. It's also available at, uh, I believe it's at Barnes & Noble and Borders. And uh, all the indie stores in L.A., like Skylight, uh, Stories Books in um, Echo Park. And there's even a few boutiques with that. Uh, the Brat Store in Santa Monica, EK in Los Feliz. Ranch and roll in Hollywood. So yeah, I I just included it. It's it's all over town. You can get it.
0: Cool. I got it at that art gallery. Um, I forget the. uh, Yeah, La Luz de Jesus. Oh, oh, right, my wife.
3: And I have signed copies there too. I have signed copies in uh, a lot of the. Wacko has signed copies, and so does Rancher. Roll in Hollywood has signed copies.
1: Well, it's an absolute necessity for uh, you know. I think people who have, who are you know lived in this city for a long time, and also people who are new to this city. So uh, thank you, Lena, for chatting with us. And uh, yeah, you give me like uh, a lot of bars to check out. I'm excited.
3: Great. well, will have a great time.
1: All right. Well, and thanks. All right. <laughs> thanks a lot. You take care. <laughs> So, wow, uh, she seems definitely to be the definitive source of the L.A. Dive Bar. Yeah. And, could you imagine researching this book? That'd be awesome. It would
0: be a good time.
1: Yeah, totally. Sure. I mean, it's like your job is to actually go out and hit like three, two, four bars a night. And they give you money. You have to it. take a lot of notes. You do, know? You, do you think they paid for a Betty Ford Clinic afterwards? Or uh, <laughs> do, you, do you have to pay for that out of pocket? I'm not, I'm not sure.
0: I wonder, yeah, they'll have to... In the fine print of the legalese there, I'm sure that's covered.
1: You know, uh, there are, like, I've seen the one in... um, What's interesting enough to... What's interesting to me is, like, I've always lived in cities that... I live in Chicago, I lived in uh, San Francisco, I live in L.A. now. And I've always lived... Probably within like a block of at least two bars that are mentioned in one of these books. In San Francisco, the book, on the, the bar on the cover is called The High Tide. I was a block away from that one. In Chicago, I used to be right next door to Tooman's Alcohol Abuse Center, which uh, actually has completely changed now. But at the time, it was just like, you know, $2 shots. It was just a really gnarly bar. I was like a couple blocks away from that one. And now, yeah, I'm right by uh, the, uh, the King Eddie's which is just a very sketchy place. Yeah, I've
0: never heard of that. It sounds dicey, though, for sure. Oh, Yeah,
1: no, it's, it's extremely sketchy. And they have food there, but I've never been one to eat uh, bar food at a bar.
0: Yeah, if it's free, it's always kind of a
1: little suspect. Yeah. Have you ever been, you know, speaking of Hollywood, and she mentions that, like, and that's, that's what's interesting to me is, uh, you know, the way she developed her criteria, how to rank these bars or what, what defines a dive bar. Because it is a contentious topic. Everybody has their own opinion. They all feel hipsters are ruining dive bars. And if you see anybody with like a Keith Richards haircut or skinny <laughs> jeans, it's not a dive bar anymore. It's lost that right. recognition, which I think is kind of bullshit because, you know, okay, a couple of hipsters go in there. Um, is that it, is it, is that that big of a deal? I mean, the majority of people there are drinkers that drink there every night. What if what if you go in there well, Wednesday night? There's no hip.
0: To me, I think it depends on what time you go. Like a dive, any bar is a dive bar at three in the afternoon. You yeah. know? it's just old guys just nursing their drinks, just geriatric drunks. You know, which is really what a dive bar, the Should essence be. of a dive bar. But yeah, I mean, any, anywhere in a major city like L.A., I'm sure San Francisco is the same. You're gonna get people that don't want to go to the hip meat market LA Hollywood glitzy thing and they just want to go get loaded with their friends exactly that's why I
1: can't really fault them although you know I must say in San Francisco after living there for a long time I could I like made it my mission to go find like a couple bars that I kind of considered like these escape bars like I if I didn't want to go if I did not want to because San Francisco is a small town and that was one of the reasons why I was so eager to move it's, it is become a claustrophobic. It was hard to go out. Not that I'm, like, that popular of a guy, but it's a small town. It's 7 by 7 So it's chances of you running into an ex-girlfriend, uh, a dude that you want to avoid, you know, someone annoying, uh, someone who you work with. It, it, it's hard. I mean, you, uh, any bar you go to, and then especially when you're in, like, a, like a scene, um, you know, if you're, like, into the punk scene, it's, like, you're totally going to run into the same people all the time. So I made it my mission to find, like, a couple bars that you could just escape to. And there's no way you're going to run into anybody you know. Maybe, but I mean, it's like, yeah, it's a complete shot in the dark that you're ever going to run into anybody. And um, there's one that was right by my house called the Comeback Club. It's like this weird Asian <laughs> bar. it called like K-U-M Comeback Club and really just creepy and weird, but I never saw any white people in there. And yeah, I'm, sure, I, I'm sure there's a lot of bars like that here in LA. Yeah, when
0: I lived in the, the Richmond district of uh, San Francisco...
1: Yeah, there's a lot of Asian bars out there.
0: Yeah, I lived right over by Green Apple Books, and there was an Asian bar across the street that had different prices for white people. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like, you know, Budweiser was like $8 if you were a
1: caucasoid. But, I remember when I when I first came to LA, this is like in 1998, I think, 97 maybe um and it, was, it must have been 98 i was visiting a friend out here his old college roommate and uh wackerly was with, um was was with me and another friend of ours and my my friend uh that we were visiting had to work he worked at rhino records it used to be a record store that rhino sure. rhino owned and he's like well dude i you know i can't leave you at home all day because my roommate's girlfriend's studying for mcats so you guys got to go do something it was like It was uh, St. Patrick's Day. So me and Wackerly... Is this this
0: the same visit where you saw Wackerly's cock?
1: No, no. That was a different visit. (laughs) That was later on. Uh, uh, This is the first time I ever came to L.A. And same with Wackerly. So he just kind of dropped us off on Hollywood and was like, you guys can entertain yourselves here for like eight hours. I'll come pick you up in eight hours when I'm done working. So we're just kind of walking around and I was like, dude, let's just drink green beer. And uh, we drank a lot of green beer. Didn't drink mm-hmm. a lot of, went to hit uh, every LA. That's why I knew there were two frolic rooms, because we hit the two frolic rooms everything. But there's this one bar called Powerhouse. Do you know, have you ever been to that one? You
0: know, I have. Um, and I was super, super drunk and high on Vicodin. And I don't really remember. I, what. I rem- My friends all really liked it, and they were all really excited to go. kind of divey. That's what they said, but it it seemed like a sports bar to me at the time. I don't know; I was kind of out of it. Though. I don't
1: remember exactly. It's right off a of Hollywood Boulevard. I don't remember the cross street. Maybe La Brea. I'm not quite sure. Anyway, um, I don't even really remember the bar. We were so drunk at this point, but we were walking out, and I saw this crazy, insane homeless, like bag lady wearing like garbage bags or something, screaming at people. And Wackerly was too drunk. I even pointed her out. Like I was like, "Dude, check that out." And he didn't even see her. So when she walked by, I totally shoulder checked and he fell over, knocked her down and (laughs) fell over on top of her. And this woman went fucking ballistic. She was trying to claw out his (laughs) eyes, chasing him around. I pissed myself from laughing so hard. And then he like after like he ran up the street and like was finished. She walks up to me and and like fucking punched me in the face. She punched you? Yeah. I mean, it was Um, like a drunken punch. But how old is this lady? I don't know. She She's just some disgusting homeless lady that must have been in like her 50s or 60s. You know, there's a lot of people like that in LA that live down here that, you know, probably moved down here thinking that they're going to become some movie star, but ended up becoming a drug addict, ending up homeless, sleeping in a tent on the, you know, downtown LA, and just completely divorced from reality. And this is one of those ladies. Yeah, he, he vowed revenge. He still has never gotten it. But I just remember well, leaving that bar and being like, wow, you know, L- L- LA has some great dive bars. And as you can see, uh, Lena LaCaro put a whole book together of all the best LA dive bars. So um, go pick up the book, Los Angeles Best Dive Bars, Drinking and Diving in the uh, City Angels.
2: Want to add a little spice to your sex life? Go to adamande.com You'll get 50% off your purchase Free shipping Two adult DVDs And a product so sensual We can't even mention it on this podcast No, no Just type the coupon code Uh, DIDDLE uh, Upon uh, checkout (laughs) (sighs)
1: so, Brian, uh, you know, you're familiar with the show. Towards the end of the show, we usually get to uh, phone calls and uh, right. some listener email and everything. So, uh, we got a few phone calls. The Sigrong Hotline, 206 and a couple emails. Uh, one one of the um, one of the uh, shows that we usually play here on uh, Sick and Wrong, um, I guess segments, is what would be properly termed, is the Is That Gay segment. And it's been a while since we've done Is That Gay? I don't know. I I, I think we... It had to have been like a couple months, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. You, you, that seems to be pretty
0: sporadic for you guys. It um, seems
1: like we do My Two Cents more. But I, I was looking at my cache of uh, Is That Gay questions, and I was like, you know what? Maybe you know, um I think maybe it's time to do a couple of that gay questions. So um, let's do a few. You know,
0: I, I think real quick. I think you, you guys should introduce some kind of segment of just like Lance Wackerly's rants. Like you have the audience write in questions. Like just give him a subject and just get him to rant on his opinion on any particular thing. I, I think it would be great.
1: I actually like that idea. You know, maybe we should do that. We're, we're going to have to make a jingle though. But I, I kind of like that though—a Lance Wackly rant—and have people send in a uh, topic.
0: Yeah, I always—I mean, if, I, I always laugh. Like, listen to that guy. It's like listening to a, a drunk version of H.L. Mencken being pissed off <laughs> about uh, some aspect of culture, or society that most people don't care about. That he just has like some really overly
1: thought-out, obscure, of. yeah, obscure and he's just like, critique. And another of.
0: thing, goddamn, what I hate is—but is, it's really good. It's all like solid gold.
1: You know what? I I agree with you. Let's start this topic, people. We'll call it Wackerly's Rants, and uh, we'll make uh, I'll make some theme music for it. Wackerly's Rants starting next week. People send in topics that you want to hear Wackerly's opinion of. We'll call it Wackerly's Rants. I'm looking
0: forward to this for sure. Anyway, so so, (laughs) um,
1: yeah, let's do some uh, is that gay questions because we got a few of them and a couple other emails. So uh, yeah, without further ado, here's the jingle for is that gay. (laughs) I don't want to sound like a queer nothing, but I think unicorns are kick ass. Is that
3: gay? I just watched my brother jerk off. Is that gay?
1: I'm appearing on this guy's looking
4: over the wall. Is that gay? I don't want to sound like a queer nothing, but I think you've got a really nice ass.
1: All right, so the first question here comes in uh, via email. The uh, guy named Bushboy writes us in here. He says, "Is it gay to go to the future and have sex with yourself?" and your future girlfriend? What do you think there, Brian?
0: You know, I, this is, yeah. (laughs) It's kind of a silly question. Yeah, um, yeah, that's gay. I I don't know, I
1: I think, um,
0: I I, I guess he's assuming because it's yourself, it's not gay because it's you, but really you're still...
1: Well, there's a lot of assumption going on in this question. He's assuming in the future he's actually going to have a girlfriend.
0: Right. Well, that's, yeah, it all hinges on that. So I think actually. If he's listening to this show, he probably is not going to have a girlfriend, you know?
1: This is my opinion. If he goes into the future and has sex with himself and his girlfriend, it's not gay. But what's probably going to realistically happen, he's going to go into the future and there's not going to be a girl there. So he's just going to end up fucking his future self. And that is gay.
0: Yeah, he's just going to be 69ing himself. (laughs) He's
1: totally going to have, yeah, he's going to have his own (laughs) cock and balls in his mouth. Yeah. And uh, that's that's pretty gay. So there the you go, Bush boy. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the question itself is kind of gay. So uh, you should um, question your sexual orientation there, big boy. All right, we got a, uh, another one here from uh, Mike Bedford. Mike writes in, maybe you can give me your two cents or tell me if that's gay or whatever the fuck you guys call it. Uh, Lately, all the movies I've been running have Viggo Mortensen in them. Maybe I should have canceled my Netflix subscription after Eastern Promises with its full-on donk scene. But I kept going. Lord of the Rings, A History of Violence, 28 Days. I didn't even know he was in that. And then The Road came along with the from-behind ball shot. Please advise. Is it gay that I'm, that I'm enjoying these movies? Keep it sick, keep it wrong. Mike Bedford. What do you think there, Brian?
0: Well, I think it all depends on whether or not... He, he, only he can answer that question. It's whether or not there's movement down there for him when he sees Viggo Mortensen
1: on screen, you know, then... Well, movement can be attributed to a lot of different things. Like your cat could be sitting on your lap and it loves you the <laughs> right way. You know, um, your girlfriend could be cupping your balls while you're watching uh, Eastern Promises. I guess. Well, if your
0: girlfriend's cupping your balls, you can watch anything and it's not gay. <laughs> I mean, you can watch gay porn and it's fine. Like,
1: So I, I wonder, I mean, what, what is the deal, though, with Vigo's naked nude scenes? It seems like that guy's like totally like every scene, he's like, you know, I'll do this movie. But as long as you get a shot of my balls in it,
0: yeah. I why I, I only remember the Eastern Promises scene, and I remember a girl I knew in Denver who was like really timid and shy and quiet and mousy being like, "Oh my god, I would totally fuck Viggo Mortensen." I think like that's it this, what it I, had this big profound effect on her, um, which was kind of surprising to me. But um, maybe that that put him in people's minds, and so that's like his. But it didn't, I, like, there's I think a lot of actors have it. had that, though, like Tom Cruise or. You don't see Tom. What movie? You I can think, see isn't he Tom naked Cruise in some as well? movie. Walk or Brad Pitt, maybe. I don't know.
1: I just feel Vigo does an inordinate amount of nude scenes, and uh, yeah, I think he's I mean, trying to do it maybe to attract the younger girls. I don't know. I mean, uh, who knows? You know, is he going to be in the uh, the new Peter Jackson Hobbit movie? I mean, now I guess his character wasn't in it.
0: I didn't even know they were making
1: one. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. But if there's a nude scene in that, I'm done. With uh, Vigo movies. Although his name does kind of sound like a gay Hungarian porn star. Yeah, it's a good gay guy name for sure. So, uh, Mike uh, Bedford, is it gay that you're running all these Vigo movies and remembering all the scenes of his nudity in it? Yeah, I think it is gay. All right. What do you think?
0: No, but that's all right. I'll I'll go along.
1: No, no, no. I don't really...
0: I mean, especially if uh, he's watching him with his girlfriend cupping his balls, I think he can watch anything.
1: So. I guess. Okay, I guess it's situational. We, we'd have to. Um, we'd have to be there for. Only us. he can answer that question. Totally. All right. So we got one more here. Uh, I believe this one's from the UK.
4: Hey, sick second wrong. Uh, this is Bez fifty four from the UK. Um, I'm ringing to speak to you about a. It's that gay question. Um... So here we go, Um, my question is, I had a dream the other night and uh, I was stood fully naked and Mr. Lance Wackily was kneeling in front of me, he had my balls in his mouth and he was humming away quite happily to the uh, national anthem of the United States of America, obviously.
1: Do you think he got the words right? <laughs> <laughs> it
4: was, it was it's like, tough with balls in your mouth, and shit. Sure, yeah, but. I don't know. A very patriotic man like he is. Uh, meanwhile, Mr. D. Simon was kneeling behind me, licking my ring piece ring and piece. reaching around, jerking the gherkin, and then I blew my lord all over Lance's head. And he loved it, but he carried on humming like a good so my is that gay question is, is it gay that I liked Lance Wackily singing the national anthem with my balls in his mouth? Love the show, guys. Keep it sick. Keep it wrong. Later.
1: So, do you think that's gay?
4: No, that's uh, that's not gay at all.
0: <laughs> that's um, that's that sounds pretty nice to me.
1: All right, what yeah. if he had been humming like "Tiny Dancer" by Elton John?
0: Oh, that's a little bit fruity, yeah. Tiny Uh, anything anything elton john i mean as long as there's no sequins involved
1: it's it's, uh it's all right maybe a little freddie mercury wouldn't have been as gay um you know i guess the question is he's saying is it gay that he achieved climax because because lance was listening to national anthem or is he gay because he's turned on by lance humming the national anthem with his balls in his mouth
0: if for some reason it seems like the focus is on the national anthem um I, I think you know. No, it's not gay at all. The whole thing sounds great. I mean, you you can't. Uh, sounds you, great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think you've had this dream a couple times before.
0: Well, uh, guilty as charged. <laughs> no, um,
1: you know, whatever, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I I think it's a, I think it's. Yeah, I guess. It, I think it is a bit gay. To, yeah, um, I think it's a bit gay to have a dream of um of your of uh two podcast hosts. Um, to you know, uh, doing a uh, to, you know treating you like the lucky Louie here in the middle, what's they call it called? Lucky Pierre. That's the actual term. Um, but uh, yeah, the fact that he was singing the national anthem almost makes it less gay because it's kind of patriotic. So,
0: but he's he's a limey though. So that that's yeah. I think that might have to do with him getting off on the whole fact that he's British and has this inferiority complex about the United States. So that's like really erotic. The idea that like these that two we're,
1: are, we're domineering them like we did during the Boston tear part. He right. Right. <laughs> the, so it's like, you know, it's this inversal
0: of, of power, the power dynamic there, which is really what's getting them well all It's right, kind of so. like
1: how Jews like, you know, girls in Nazi fetish outfits to totally. uh, dominate them. I think the U.S., um, i.e. me and Lance, are the, you know, the, the Nazis here. Then we're, we're, we're the dominating force over the, uh, the British person.
0: Right, so I mean that's got to be a turn on to be, um, you know, the the inferior country getting your ass licked and your balls sucked by like the dominating country. By the dominant
1: country, yeah, yeah. definitely. Although that's
0: just my theory, you know, my armchair psychiatry theory. Although
1: the inferior country is uh, blowing its inferior load all over the dominant country's face, I don't know how uh, I take that. I think that might be a bit offensive, being the the you know superior country. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's a dream, you know. It's uh, unless you want to get a whole Jungian thing. I don't know what I don't know what yeah. to make of it. But you know, it's it's a real nice that he called, and I I really appreciate the high fidelity on that international
1: phone call. Yeah, no, it sounded great. I don't know if that was a phone call or if he maybe he sounded like to me that he might have recorded his own MP3. But that that definitely mm-hmm. sounded great. But the question is, yeah, I think it's big gay. I, I think it is. So, uh, uh, Brian, uh, thanks for uh, playing. Uh, is that gay? Here, it's a great, very popular segment of, uh, of the show. Uh, we're near the end of the show, and uh, are, do you ever go on the Sick and Wrong forum?
0: You know, I have yet to go on there. I, I feel like forums and video games are two things I just can't allow myself to indulge in because then I'll just get sucked in for for too many hours. So, I
1: it, I, is, I it is like a black hole.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's all sorts of disgusting, like vomit inducing you know midget porn on there and whatnot that i've avoided it thus far
1: you know it is a black (laughs) hole like a cesspool of depravity on that on that forum but not not completely though i mean sometimes there's some they they broach like philosophical subjects or uh (laughs) sometimes they just have observational topics like uh, one of the the uh, threads i was reading recently was um ever witness a murder it's just Mm. stories of uh, people who've who walked by and just kind of randomly encountered a murder. It's posted by Killer Tentacles. It's kind of cool. How, um, many, uh,
0: how many people are on there?
1: You know, right now it's uh, over 900. And this is the new forum, because we used to have the old forum. And uh, the old forum ended up being taken down. And so uh, um, a couple of our uh, fans ended up putting together a new forum. And so, yeah, you know, it's steadily growing. But um, it. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. There's also another thread I saw with um, one of the one of the members actually posted a big box of marijuana that he just found. And he was proudly displaying it, and uh, it, it's just funny to hear all the other um, um, forum members just critique this big box of weed, saying it just looks like shit, shit Mexican weed. And yeah, everybody has their own opinions, and I think that's the beautiful uh, thing about the uh, the forum is the diversity of opinions and stories. And uh, it's in the grotesque pictures. I think it's, there's something for everybody on the stick and sure. forum. Also, uh, most people listen to the show via iTunes, and we appreciate that because iTunes is the only place. Well, it's probably, I don't know, there's a lot of different podcast channels, like uh, aggregators out there, but iTunes is pretty much the place. It's podcast central. And so uh, by going and subscribing to the show via iTunes, giving us a good rating, um, yeah, you're giving us a lot of exposure, and we do appreciate that. Uh, finally, here buy a T-shirt at the Sick and Wrong store. I know. Um, <clears throat> I was just reading on the forum that a lot of people, <coughs> Bester, uh, have been disparaging the Sick and Wrong shirts on the forum. I don't, have you seen the current Sick and Wrong tee? No, doesn't it
0: like I heart Sick and Wrong, but the heart is a pentagram. Now, that, that was That's the, the
1: that was the older version. The new version. Is that uh, just a reinterpretation of the classic first design? It's just like kind of the Coke logo. I mean, it's yeah. There's no frills. It's just a basic shirt, but it also isn't really offensive. So you know, you can wear that one in public, and you don't have to give people the wrong idea. But yeah, so we just did uh, we just did a reinterpretation of the original uh, first second wrong design. And so and a lot the fans of fans are bitching about this. Uh, a couple fans, a couple mm, yeah, uh, far too critical figure. fans yeah. are 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 bitching that uh, it's just a boring lame coke design. You know, we do know that. We're we're well aware of that we're just a lot of people were saying, "Hey, do you guys ever do the, you know, I'd love to buy one of the coke designs." We just kind of made a rehash of that shirt for our anniversary show. Well, you so, know,
0: what I can add to this is when I was Running the Unpop store, I made up a batch of fifty T-shirts that said "rape" on them in pink letters that I was selling. Um, that must and it a took a big seller. Yeah, it probably took four years to sell those fifty T-shirts, <laughs> um, because there's only so many nuts out there that'll wear a T-shirt that says "rape" in bright pink letters.
2: Yeah, um, around
0: the world, you know. But um, the funny thing about that, though, is I went to go get them printed, and when I went to go, I went to go pick them up. The guy, this is in Denver. What color is the shirt? Black? Yeah, it was like pink letters on, on a black shirt. Uh, and it wasn't my idea. It was like me and Sean Partridge, but it was just his concept. But um, so I go down to pick up the shirts, and the guy who was running the T-shirt printing place was like this skater activist kind of guy, and he was like obviously really sketched out. Like he'd agreed to it online and taken my money, but then when he had done them, he like was having some moral quandary about it. And he so he was like... <laughs> What are these for, man? Is this like for like a, a bachelor party or something? <laughs> you're like,
1: it's for my rape gang.
0: I just thought. I mean, it's just funny to me that his mind is that much more, that much more twisted than mine to think like, yeah, it's a, it's for a bachelor party of like fifty. You're guys like, with I just want to make it
1: Yeah, it's like <laughs> I want to make an offensive shirt, but it's like, well, what did that guy think that you're like? Well, it's for my rape gang. Yeah, you know, no, this is just go just to around be an and rape and kill.
0: Just to be an asshole and just sell obnoxious (laughs) things to people
1: that like that. The the Sick and Wrong Coca-Cola shirt really isn't all that offensive unless maybe you're Coca-Cola. But um, apparently uh, some people were ragging on the current design. Well, you know what? We only have a few left. I actually really dig that design. And it's an interpretation of a classic, a reinterpretation of a classic. Also, go to the Cafe Press Store, and uh, we have sundry other designs there. People go to sickandwrongpodcast.com, click on store, and buy a tea today. Finally here, sick and wrong song of the week. I actually chose myself. I wanted to pick something that was uh, apropos, you know, something that was topical and related to today's show. And there's so many good songs about drinking, but here's one of my favorites. You know the band Sloppy Seconds? Sure. Punk band. Shut up and pour me a drink. Nice. And I think uh, that's kind of most people's attitude when they go to a lot of these dive bars here in LA. So we're going to end the show with sloppy seconds, shut up and pour me a drink. Thank you, Brian Clark, for uh, being on the show and subbing the show today. Thanks it's for been, having me. Yeah. It's been a fascinating one. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to look, uh, look forward to Unpop launching the new sites. Unpopart.org, right? Yeah. I'll take it. Thanks. All right. We'll have to check that out. People, we'll be back next week with episode 266. Till then, take it sleazy.
2: Fuck you. Give me a bottle of booze. Here's my dollar. Suck my dick.
4: Yeah.